Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. The Gospel of the Lord. So as I said, today's the feast day of St. John the Evangelist, St. John the Apostle. And as I was just reading this gospel again, it just always strikes me. So the gospel comes from John that we just heard. uh, And so John's recording these events. And I just think it's funny. Maybe it didn't happen this way, but I pictured John being like, so Peter and the other apostle, moi, ran to the tomb. I got there first, right? Like, he's like, I'm faster. And then he gets to the very end. He gets one more dig in there. He says... Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first. (laughs) I just think that's great. All right, so this may be a bad analogy, and if it is a bad analogy, I hope John the Evangelist will forgive me. But uh, I've always thought of John the Evangelist as uh, he is the distilled balsamic glaze of the apostles, okay? Right? I went to Italy a number of years ago on a pilgrimage. We went to a winery, and they, they talked us through the process of, you know, them making the wine and then making uh, balsamic and then balsamic glaze. And it's the, it's the distilled, rich, dense, uh, super flavorful um, reduction of the wine, right? That's how it comes about. Every passage of John in his gospel, every passage of his in his pastoral letters is just so dense and so pregnant with meaning. It's from John that we get the incredibly pithy uh, phrase, God is love, Deus caritas est, God is love. Also from this section of the letter that you get in that first reading there, you get the sense that John never stopped contemplating the staggering fact of, of what he experienced, like the word was made flesh. It's almost like that became his entire life mantra, contemplating that. The Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. I hear people being like, yeah, John, we get it, right? Like, but he's like, that's all I can say. The Word is made flesh. He's saying like the ineffable one, the one who was from the beginning, beyond time and space, the one who is life, has appeared. I just see John being like, and I touched him. We ate food together. We walked on walks together. I saw him. I heard him. The one who was the word from the beginning, I touched him. I rested on his chest at the Last Supper. I heard his beating heart. 
I just picture John that way. While it's of course true that Jesus loved all of his apostles, there seems to be a particular love, a particular delight that he had for John. Uh, he's, re- he's the only one who's referred to as the beloved disciple. I'd awfully, I would really like that uh, nickname if, uh, you know, if, if I could pick one. I don't, I don't know if I want to be the rock or the, I want to be the beloved, right? I think we all do. And John, certainly for his part, he seemed to have a tenderness toward Jesus that was kind of different or above and beyond the other ones that set him apart. The fact that he was sitting next to Jesus at the Last Supper, the fact that he was the only one there at the foot of the cross witnessing those events, consoling Mary, the one to whom Jesus entrusted his mother. What we see today in the Gospel, right, Peter and John entering, running the tomb. Of course, John pauses. He allows Peter, the old guy, to enter because he beat him there, right? And then they both look into the tomb. They both look at the scene before them, but it's only John, who it says, who looks, who sees, and believes. There's something different about John. It's, only, it's also only John who, when, uh, when the, uh, the apostles, after the resurrection, when they're on Peter's fishing boat, it's only John who looks at that man on the shoreline and recognizes that it's Jesus. It's like, it is the Lord, right? It's John who recognizes that. I guess the question I was just contemplating this morning was just, what's different about John's perspective? And I think it's this, that love allows one to see more. Love allows one to see more. Love transforms the way we see reality. Love allows us to recognize Jesus in places that we don't think we'd recognize him, that other people don't recognize him. And so I just, quite simply, on this feast day of John the Evangelist, John the Beloved, I want to invite us to ask his intercession that all of us today on this feast day would open our hearts a little bit more to love him more, to love Jesus more, to be able to recognize him more, to see him more, because love changes the way we see. Amen.